Pop, pop. Oh, what was that? Anyway, got to show a little love from for magnitude there. What's up? Here we go. Another episode of Requiem for a Tuesday. I am your boy, the one and only Adam Pecora, here to, you know, say some shit, do whatever. And uh, it's Saturday somehow. Don't know where this week went. Uh, you know, maybe I'll never go outside again. You know, you can really kill a lot of time when you got DVDs out the wazoo. Speaking of out the wazoo, y- you ever, you ever in the middle of a pandemic take like a way too spicy of a dump and you're like, this is it. I'm, I- I've been tagged. You know what I mean? Throw me in the brig. I need medical attention. I'm one of the infected. And uh, then you remember you got drunk and ate a whole pizza. And you're like, oh, you know, this adds up. Me either. You know, that doesn't happen to me. But but that's fine. You know, it happens to some people and it seems like it'd be pretty traumatic. And then you put it all together and you're like, oh, yeah. Somebody get me a glass of water, please. Because uh, I feel like SpongeBob right now. A lot of SpongeBob coming through lately. I don't know what that is. Maybe I haven't spent this much time inside without something to do since childhood. Who knows? Uh, but commenting on last week's episode, I rewatched Clerks. Absolute masterpiece. Just want to throw that out there. And clearly, uh, I think it goes without saying where I get a lot of the aesthetic of this show from. Uh, there's something about that movie. If I made a movie, be black and white and would be edited like that for sure. Something about raw stuff. I'm into it. I don't know what it is. Was always a raw over SmackDown guy. You know, I think most people are. But uh, that's a whole chat for a whole nother day. Uh, What I wanted to talk about at the beginning, at the top of the show, because I have now forgotten for, I believe, two episodes in a row. I got too impassioned, too enthralled to continue uh, on the course that I had plotted for myself. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about face masks, right? Because uh, everybody either needs them or has them. But I suppose that that's true about all of the resources in the world. A lot of people have them. Most people don't. Now, we're not going to get all geopolitical. That's not what magnitude would want, right? Uh we're going to dedicate this entire episode to Magnitude because uh, he just brought it. You know what I mean? He lit up a room wherever he was. And uh, you got to thank Magnitude for that. You know? Pop, pop. Um, but yeah, so I, I just don't understand how there hasn't been a huge boom in like luxury face masks, right? Now... While I get while the initial thing is like, oh, that's kind of insensitive, it's also kind of like, okay, who really cares? Because we're talking fucking fashion companies right now. So I I don't think that that's ever a concern for them at any point. And the the initial point I want to make is that anybody who thinks that anything, any high fashion thing does ever is dumb uh, is just a poor person. And I don't say that as a person with money. I say that as a poor person. Uh, I, I mean, I, I know my place. What can I say? You know what I mean? I check the bank account. I'm not buying any Gucci flip-flops, but I'll gladly put on some of the generics when my buddy gets back from the Philippines. You know what I mean? 20 bucks. I'm fine with that. I'll rock the fakes. They look good. What can I say? You know what I mean? If you go to the good spots... You can't even tell the difference. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, okay, so let's say in a good scenario, right, we resume some kind of social interaction by, let's give it a month even. Let's say mid-May. Probably not likely at this point, but who knows. Uh, I I don't see the scenario where they're like, don't do this just chill and 
Like, what I mean by that is, I don't see how it's like one day, okay, everything's back to normal, right? It's going to be like a gradual process. I've probably said that before, and I know that I've said that I've probably said that before, before, and that's going to be my thing for life now, I guess. Uh, is just being tortured by my memories. Uh, what? But yeah, I don't. So I think that, like, we're going to need to have some shit. So let's say it's like, okay, you can chill, but chill in, like, still groups of 10 or less and, like, try to keep your space and probably wear a mask while you do it. You know what I mean? Like, you'll probably be fine, but, like, let's do it. I, I think that, like, masks will be a part of culture for at least a short period of time, potentially a long period of time going forward. So I don't see how, like, everybody isn't jumping on this and trying to sling these things because, one, everybody needs them, right? So if you're making them and they're non-medical, then you're not taking away from anybody that, like, could really use them in a field that may be short. You know what I mean? If you just make, like, rewashable ones for non-medical people, then it seems like, okay, you're not really causing a stir anywhere like if nobody buys it what's your worst case scenario you wasted like a little bit of fabric because there's not that much uh two everybody just got their trump bucks ideally so they're looking to spend them why not on a fancy new mask three like if this is how i'm going to be approaching people let's have my face gucci'd out you know what i mean like i feel like if i'm if i'm a six on a good day but I got, you know, the Gucci mask on. I go from being a six to being rich, which is, like, so much better. So now, like, not I've completely flipped the script. Not only was I a six prior to putting this mask on, but now I'm just rich anyway uh, on appearance. So, like, you don't get to see my face and you assume I got cash. That just seems like a win-win scenario. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, I don't get how, like, Supreme's not dropping face masks. You know what I mean? Like, all of the... Any company you can think of should probably be dropping one. I would. I looked into it. And, uh, yeah, uh, I was immediately grounded when I saw how much it would cost to get, like, a bulk order of those things done. But, anyway, we're talking low-level guy right here, okay? We're, we're not talking fashionista clan who's got fabrics, right? I don't have any fabrics, you know, they closed Joanne Fabrics. What? But Staples is open? Tell me how that adds up. What, because they got M&Ms? Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. We need, whatever, you know, you get it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of itching for it, you know? Like, certain, like, bands and stuff are kind of doing it as merch. Like, it's, it's coming out a little bit, but I'm surprised there's not, like, a huge boom in the fashion game. Uh, like, I'm sure there are examples of it out there, but I just mean, like, how is the hottest item right now, like, everywhere, by everybody, not this thing? You know what I mean? I wish Apple would come out with one, you know? comes. With, what if it came with the new iPhone? Like, extra hundred bucks, you get, like, an Apple face mask? I'd, I'd be all in. You know what I mean? Let's flex it out. You know, let's get these things looking good, right? Why do we got to be walking around with these ghetto-ass fucking moist towelette fucking face masks? Let's make some moves and grind it out. Okay, you know, we don't got to be going through this all frumpy. You know, you don't got to rock the sweatpants to the store. Put on a nice pair of jeans, put on your Louis Vuitton face mask, and you get out there and you grind on some grandmas in the bread aisle. You know what I mean? You make a day of it. I put my shiny shoes on when I go outside. I put my big boy pants on and my million dollar mask. And we hit the road in a Lamborghini like a fucking all-star would. Okay. You know what I mean? You quarantine, I quarantine. That's right. Hashtag beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So just remember you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Now when you're purchasing a $500 velvet silk face mask with that, with that Louis emblem in it, you're like, oh, Adam was right. And that's it. That's all the satisfaction I'll get. Being right doesn't get you always that far. <laughs> Let that be a lesson. Rose doesn't always make it off the Titanic. You know what I mean? Sometimes everybody goes down with the ship. Uh, let me just say that the critical reevaluation, if that's what we want to call it, I would like to call it uh, whiny Twitter verse. 
uh, trying to downgrade that classic film. Because let me just say something. I don't care what anybody says, frankly. That is a masterpiece of a movie. No, it doesn't make that much sense. Because, like, yeah, why does the guy go from just being a fiancé into, like, a James Bond-esque supervillain in the middle of a ship sinking? You know what I mean? That's a tough question. He went crazy under pressure. We can just put it like that. Uh, But I've always thought that that was stupid. It always really bothers me that when she hands him that note to meet him later that night that the paper changes from yellow to white or maybe vice versa. But either way, pretty glaring, okay? Especially because it's a close-up twice each shot. Then they're a different color. Really upsets me. That really upsets me more than anything. Uh, but I, yeah, and obviously the door thing, you know, come on. First of all, you're going to put in way more effort than that. It's a dire situation. You're in the middle of the, what, the Arctic Circle or something? And like you have to get rescued by boat because it's the past? <laughs> yeah. I think maybe I'm going to try a little harder or maybe look around, do something. You know what I mean? You could float on a corpse. I, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I, I think that they're, they're, they're like, yeah, that's a glowing issue. But I think that overall, like the, the performances are great. The movie looks great. It's a fucking great movie. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Okay. Everybody just wants to shit on James Cameron because he's kind of a prick. But wouldn't you be? You know what I mean? How do you direct the Terminator and then follow it up with a better movie? That's one of the best sequels of all time. Arguably the best, because while I understand, still haven't seen, I know, crucify me. They're gonna they're gonna grill me in the papers in the morning because I still haven't seen The Godfather Part Two. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there, I promise. Okay? But the reason why I would argue immediately with <laughs> without having seen it is strictly because um, it's an argument like which one is better, right? So like, yeah, it's a testament that you can make a second one as good as the first one, especially when the first one's considered as great as it is. I understand that. But if you can argue that the first one is better, and a lot of people do think the first one is better, then how, you know what I mean? Like it's that good of a sequel, but it's a sequel to a movie that's that good that it's harder, whereas The Terminator was a good movie and they made it even better. And I think that that is a crazy testament because almost no sequels are better than the original, let alone just good in the first place. Uh, But it seems like nobody's really touching those movies, so thank God. If you start shitting on Terminator 2, I swear to God, like, I'm, I'm out. I'm off the internet. You know what I mean? I don't want to hear that conversation. But, like, Avatar was good. You guys can go fuck yourselves. Anybody who's, like, it's just Pocahontas, it's like, do you know how many things are based on other things? Almost all of them. <laughs> There's, like, almost no things that aren't from something at this point. So, I mean, I don't really know why you're claiming any idea that it's, like, a super original, like, monstrous scoped idea. Like, it's a cra- it's a crazy vision, and they built a whole new world. You know what I mean? Just because the story is reminiscent of something, aren't most things? And wouldn't it make sense that on another planet, like, they're going through the same kind of traumas that are happening over here? God. Like, humans are the are the poison? I don't really know. I haven't seen it in a long time. I'm just saying, like, it's not a bad movie. You guys can go fuck off with that. There's no... The only reason to not like it is just to... Because. <laughs> like, it just, it just seems to be a thing to do. You know what I mean? It's not like that movie is Wicker Park, because let me tell you. Yeah, I didn't really have a plan for the Avatar thing. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of just used as a transition to get me here. Let me just put it like this. Titanic's fucking awesome, okay? If you want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. Maybe one day I'll go in on it. Avatar, good movie, okay? That's it. I mean, just fuck off. Like, <laughs> there's no there's no reason to be battling those battles that it came out so long ago the only people talking about it are people saying that it sucks it's like well you're the one keeping it alive we all did kind of forget about it you know what i mean if you don't want the conversation to go that way don't have it you know uh but yeah so a while back let, let, let's retrace some steps here uh so last year at this time and prior to uh, I was living in technically 
what is called East Village. I would I I guarantee that Chicago just designated that as a neighborhood, so we have one as well as New York City. Because let me tell you, it is a very very small neighborhood. It's from like Damon to Ashland, and then like Division to Chicago. It's literally like a square mile, <laughs> like if that. It's probably not even that big. And, yeah, it is next to Wicker Park and Ukrainian Village. So I just considered myself a Wicker Park resident because that was where most of the time was spent. Like, lived right off Division Street. It was a great time. Now, that is not really the point of what I'm trying to get into. But while living there, uh, clicked in my head. I just remembered that in the early 2000s, there was a movie came out. Yikes. Uh, there was a movie that came out. Little little inserts like that go a long way. You know what I mean? They're what separate the men from the boys, quite literally, because uh, I sounded like a child right there. But, uh, yeah, there was a movie that came out called Wicker Vark. I thought nothing of it. Didn't even know that that neighborhood existed at the time in my youth, you know, maybe maybe eight, nine years old. That's fine. Uh, but upon being a resident, I stumbled upon its existence in the archives of my memories and, uh, you know, Checked eBay, found a Lucy for like two bucks, free shipping. I'm like, fuck it, send it on over, chief. You know what I mean? That's a no-brainer. And uh, it sat dormant, rightfully so, up until last night. And boy, oh boy, let me tell you, it should have been thrown into a garbage disposal. That movie is absolutely atrocious. One of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. Now... I, I honestly, I almost don't even recommend it as like an entertaining bad thing because it, it, it it's just so stressful. <laughs> it really just like slaps movies in the face. It is so bad. Now, you may be thinking like, oh, he's talking in a lot of broad terms. Like what really happened? You know, it could not have been that bad. Well, let me tell you. Okay. First of all, most of it doesn't really seem to be set in the neighborhood. From what I can tell, it looked like a much more swankier, upscale area. It kind of seemed like they were in, like, Gold Coast, River North area, like, the whole time. Like, up on that, you know, northeastern side, you know. Definitely didn't look like any west side area, is all I'm saying. And then, like, they, they showed, like, a little bit at the beginning. Like, they definitely, like, hovered over real quick. <laughs> like, over, like, the Six Corners area or something. Whatever. So, I mean, I guess that that's a slight gripe. It definitely, like, at least was filmed in Chicago, it seemed like, you know, or at least the parts that they needed to, which was very little. So my thinking going in was pretty much like, oh, I can kind of see like how the neighborhood changed in 16 years, which I know is pretty dramatic. It used to be a pretty significantly different place from what it is today or even what it was when I started going there like 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Even 10 years ago, it was different. So, like, what was it like 10 years before that? Sounds exciting, doesn't it? A trip down memory lane or, uh, you know, a history book, whatever the fuck. But no, they barely show anything. It's mostly interior. Now, let's start. I'm going to let me back up. I'm going to start with the positives here because there are a couple nice things about it. One, Matthew Lillard's in it. Love Matthew Lillard. Always was a big Matthew Lillard guy. I think he's an underrated actor. Sure, he's in a bunch of shit, and Shaggy's going to haunt him forever. For whatever reason. It's not like he did a bad job, you know. And those movies were, like, slightly ironic, you know, like the Brady Bunch movies were. Kind of touched on that before. They were fun, you know what I mean? I, I don't see how that's a negative thing. And then, like, the ultimate redemption, he was in Twin Peaks The Return, and was absolutely phenomenal. Okay, I, I, I get that like his whole thing was excessive and he like cried pretty, pretty hard. But I think that, you know, that was under David's direction. You know what I mean? And I don't think that that, mo that that makes the cut if it's not up to par. And I think that his performance in that was awesome. And um, yeah, if you haven't seen, <sighs> don't even get me started, you know, Twin Peaks The Return, uh, probably the greatest season of television of all time no i can't say that that's too bold uh the most ambitious i think i can say for sure but it's phenomenal and uh really really fucks your shit up at the end and the whole way through it's pretty pretty wild anyway uh backpedaling now uh lillard slc punk you know what i mean like i can just keep naming the greats i think without a paddle was a great flick um 
but I'm a Seth Green guy too. That might be a limited audience, you know. But I mean, you know, he really found his way. He's really killing it. Uh, but yeah, Lillard. Uh, and he's fine in the movie. You know, I mean, his character is pretty one-dimensional. There's not a whole lot to do. He's just like, <sighs> okay. For me to explain what any of the characters are, I'm just going to do a quick rundown of the plot. I'm going to do a... See, hear my little intersectional cutting of this? Uh, it kind of fits how stupid the structure of the movie is. So for some reason, they found that it would make sense to make this movie an out-of-sequence, like, oh, we're going to reveal the mystery slowly through time cuts. And let me tell you, First of all, there's not enough information in the narrative for it to even justify a full movie, let alone revealing all the points this way. I do think it would have been slightly more redeemable if it was just in chronological order. It definitely didn't make things more interesting. It made them more complicated, more convoluted, more stupid. And everybody in this movie's decision making is like total nonsense and fucking garbage. <laughs> and it's really just awful. Uh, so... Yeah, I don't give a fuck about spoilers again because you shouldn't fucking watch this movie. If you do, like, I don't think that you'll even be comedically entertained. So, just think about that. That's a fair warning, but I gotta talk about it because Jesus, like, what a goddamn disaster. Uh, I think I'd rather watch Tiptoes again, which if you haven't seen, it's basically about, like, all, like Kate Beckinsale wants to marry Matthew McConaughey, but his family's all midgets, but it's a secret for some reason. And then, like, she doesn't want to have, like, midget babies, so she's against it. But then, like, you know, there's, like, a, a biker midget who's, like, fucking a hooker. It's crazy, and it's terrible, and they, like, pulled it from theaters. But uh, check it out. I got it. If you want, you can borrow it. <laughs> uh, but that that is a way more pleasurable watch. Uh, but, yeah, so basically half of the main cast is a fucking creep, right? So your boy Josh Hartnett, who Hollywood wanted to happen so bad in the early 2000s, he is just atrocious in this. Although I don't know if I've ever seen him be good in anything, you know, so I don't really know what his whole appeal was. I guess he just had the face for it. Couldn't really tell you. Uh, but he plays a wooden stiff creep who... From what I gather, they don't really explain much in his career differences, but he, like, works in a video store, sees a video of a chick, and just becomes obsessed with her. Then one day sees her on the street and follows her around. <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, you want to go out sometime? I know you've been following me. And he's like, oh, that's fucking weird, huh? I'm ashamed. And then she, and then they're just like, yeah. And then the next thing you know, they're in love, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, yeah, incredibly stupid already. I guess in some convoluted movie scenario, you can kind of believe it. But what comes next only continues to throw fire on that. So Josh Hartnett's, uh, lover, whatever, uh, st stocky, if, if you must, uh, is played by Diane Kruger, who you may know from Inglorious Bastards as Bridget von Hammersmark. I think that's how it's pronounced. Anyway, uh, she was great in that. Phenomenal. Terrible in this. Right on par with Josh Hartnett's worldly fucking performance. Uh, so, yeah. Basically, they form a relationship, and then she, like, finds out she has to go to Europe in, like, 30 minutes. <laughs> and is like... Uh, I wrote the guy a letter. Can you give it to him? To, like, her neighbor, right? Now, again, it's all told out of order. So what, you, what we also later find out is that the neighbor is also obsessed with her. And she also happens to be obsessed with him and happens to be part of the reason they get together because she gave the video away or whatever. But basically, yeah, you think that Josh Hartnett's a crazy guy and then she's even more crazy and is obsessed with both of them individually. So that's fucking stupid, right? So anyway, the the lady doesn't know this, Diane Kruger, 
and uh, she gives it to the roommate, played by Rose Byrne, who does, like, do her best. You know, a young Rose Byrne really came through. You know, she had it back then. But, uh, yeah, her character sucks. The whole thing sucks. They, like, try to make her look ugly, but she's, like, hot. So it's pretty hard. Uh, doesn't really work. And, yeah, she um, sabotages a whole thing and doesn't give him the letter. So they break up. They were going to move in together. But she went to Europe and they never spoke again. And now it's two years later and he's been he's moved to New York and back and is engaged. Right. Um, and put in they put in like no effort and he's been to her house. So he could just go back, you know, theoretically uh, could have picked up a phone probably a hundred times and tried. There, there are no excuses for them to not reconnect other than he didn't get the letter. And then that was pretty much it. They don't really seem to have put in any more effort to contact each other other than that. And they both just assumed that they ghosted each other. So that's pretty dumb. Right. And the whole thing was like, meet me in Wicker Park. And again, I don't I, I don't know because it was a long time ago, but definitely doesn't look like the park itself. Just seems like someplace somewhere. And there's like a hot dog stand in it. So there's definitely not a hot dog stand now. I would know. I would ate there. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but yeah, she just wasn't in the park. And he's like, well, I guess we're broken up now. Let me just move on and change my whole life. And then all of this is going on, by the way. Like this whole mystery is being uncovered because he ditched a business flight to China because he heard the chick's voice. It's just all it's just all so out of range and just drenched in stupidity it's like this would never happen this like quote unquote like mystery isn't really a mystery they're forcing all of this to happen it's like none of this is rooted in any kind of believable scenario especially put on with the terrible terrible performances of the two leads of the fucking thing so yeah and it's all told in this weird reverse order and then fucking hartnett breaks into this chick's apartment thinking it's his exes, which again, how do you not know where she fucking lives? You've been there. You're about to move in with this chick. I think you've been to her apartment enough times to know the address or to know how to get there. You know? And uh, no, I guess not. And then he finds out that it's her apartment. Sorry. Uh, by her, I mean like the crazy neighbor chick because she's like took the key. There's like a reason why they're like switched, which I guess is kind of justifiable, whatever. And she, like, takes her place, and she's like, hey, uh, even though you broke in, you want to chill? And he's like, uh, yeah, sure, I'll chill with some stranger, even though I broke into your house. And, like, they're pretty cool about it, and then they pound it out, and then you find out it's, like, Matthew Lillard's girlfriend. And it's just, like, a whole thing. And it, it's just, like, the logic of it is just so flawed and stupid, and the stakes are so low. And then he ends up seeing the other chick at the airport, breaks up with his fiance on the spot at the airport and immediately goes over to the other chick and they get back together. Now I've left out a lot of stupid and in between details that I can't even remember, but let me just tell you like what a fucking shit fest. Uh, there is nothing appealing about this. They did a, they tried to make it like a cool, like a uh, Soderberghian style thing where they did uh, these, this weird like overlay editing throughout the movie where they would show like perspective shots from each thing, which was like kind of a cool idea. Um, so, I mean, I'll give them props like uh, to the director, whoever's idea that was to do that part. Like that, that was kind of sick. Um, they had like a, they had a whole vibe going, trying to do, like, a unique visual style. I kind of fucked with that. There was, like, cool overlays and stuff. But that's about it. And, I mean, the music wasn't great. Uh, Cliff Martinez did the score, which I was pretty hopeful for. Um, from Drive, Only God Forgives, I'm sure, a fucking bunch of other good ones. But especially Drive uh, really hit the nail on the head with that one. So I was like, okay, maybe the score will be good. Uh, the score was fine, but, like, the soundtrack picks were pretty rough. And maybe that's just a victim of the early 2000s. Uh, I don't really know. Um, but also, everybody's fucking driving everywhere. Un not real. That's just not a thing. And, like, they're in these... I don't know. It just doesn't show any semblance 
of like what Chicago is. That's for sure. Uh, I'm still waiting for that. You know what I mean? Like, where is our Manhattan, I guess? But I guess that that would be Ferris Bueller. But I don't know. I mean, I like I've said this, I know for sure on here. I would just like a movie to just show it around. And I think that that's the conclusion I came to, especially when I said that Clerks would be my style. Just I would just do, I would basically do Manhattan, and I would just go to all the spots that I like that matter. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it won't include the Sears Tower or Wrigley Field or any of the other places that all the suburb kids and Ferris Bueller wanted to go to. Because I get it. That is what you would want to go do if you ditch school. Let's go do all the cool shit to do in the city. Sure, that sounds fun. Um, that's not necessarily a realistic trip unless you got a bunch of cash. So that wasn't what I was doing whenever I was coming down. You know what I mean? Uh, so I'd just like somebody to show that. But yeah, if I ever got my hands on a camera and had some free time, I, I'd just be shooting scenes. Like shooting scenery. You know what I mean? I mean, I would just rather showcase, like, cool buildings and places and have a limited story and almost make it more of an experimental just tour of the city with a loose plot through it. At least that's something you could want to look at. You know what I mean? They set most of this movie inside. Uh, the plot could have been wrapped up in about 10 minutes. So they really stretched it out, <laughs> to say the least. And, yeah, it just doesn't feel like you could be in any place. Like, it definitely has nothing to do with Wicker Park also. So, even from the title on, like, it just does not start well. It does not go well. And, uh, yeah, what a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're looking for a bad, 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 bad movie to watch, watch that one. Because it is, I mean, like it's like the writers didn't even take the time. You know, and what really throws me off is that it is based on a, like a French movie, which I think everybody fucking loved, which is why this got rushed into production, which I think is probably a pretty big sign of why this went so south. Um, but I don't see how that movie's good, and this one is this terrible. So if like the plots are the same, I don't know. Maybe something just got lost in translation because it doesn't make any sense. And then that French movie in itself is based on like a Shakespeare thing. So I just don't see... Maybe it's over-adapted at this point or whatever, but whoever the fuck they got to do this just really shit the bed. <laughs> I mean, they had cell phones in the movie, so it's not like it was a pre-cell phone era, at least not for these people. You know, they could afford their contracts... They're fucking giant apartments uh, and the fucking nice cars <laughs> that nobody's using. There's nobody ever drive. Nobody drives everywhere. That's all I'm saying. You know, just because you have a car doesn't mean you're not going to fucking take the train somewhere. They're, they're taking all these cabs. Now, I don't know because like Uber's a thing now, but... There's only cabs in the loop. Maybe there used to be cabs driving around everywhere. But all I know is you can't just... I, I don't know any scenario where you just walk out of an apartment and there's immediately a cab you can hail that doesn't have someone in it. Like, they're just hauling... They're just hailing cabs left and right throughout this movie. Sorry, I find that hard to believe, especially if you're, the good, if you're supposed to be set that far outside of the loop. I, I doubt that there was that many cabs driving around. So let me just say that. But yeah, it all could have been wrapped up. Phone call, another letter, email. I mean, just a lot of options. The whole movie was pointless. So, definitely didn't enjoy that. Uh, got nice and drunk after. Definitely, definitely helped ease the pain. <laughs> ease his pain. Speaking of which, heartbreaking that the Field of Dreams game does not get to happen between the Sox and the Yankees. Uh, for those who don't know, they scheduled a game to be in an, in the in the Iowa cornfield from Field of Dreams. Uh, as a monumental fan of that movie, I think that that is one of the coolest things ever, and uh, it's about time baseball does something fucking interesting. I mean, they're just really not trying to like push anything. I mean, the NBA is on a whole nother level with all these like e leagues and trying to do so much with international games and all this stuff like they're they're really pushing the envelope to like an extreme level which I respect like 
you need to be treating maybe it's all like maybe it's like Steve Ballmer like just wrecking shit with the Clippers, just dropping billies left and right to make that shit happen. Maybe they understand like, oh, like this guy's like an innovative guy in technology. Maybe we should try to stay relevant ourselves. Uh, but I think Adam Sandler's uh, Adam Sandler Adam Silver is just like young and young enough and gets it right, which is cool. But I mean, I I just don't see how baseball isn't like, oh, we should probably you know try to stay with the times. I get that its whole thing is that it's like old, right? But it's fucking boring. Let's just face it. You know what I mean? Like NHL's at least doing like Winter Classic and stuff. I'm not saying you have to like get rid of the umpire and embrace like digital stuff. You know what I mean? They were the first people to do Moneyball and go through metrics. And that's a cool innovation. But where have we gone since? There's just a bunch of scandals that are just like, why would I even watch this? You know, if the fucking championship's rigged. So just give me something. You know what I mean? And I think that that's at least one step. I mean, it's pretty whack for anybody that's not near or willing to go to Iowa, I guess. Um... But I think it, I think it represents more than that, and, that, and especially because that movie is just so fucking out there and like crazy. It's like you could have you could have tried to do like a Bull Durham game and just played a, played in some minor league stadium and did a thing like that. Um, so yeah, it's cool. And I mean, I get that it literally has like White Sox people in it, but they're talking about the Black Sox, which I don't think that the MLB like really wants to shine a light on necessarily. Um, so yeah. Was looking forward to that. I was going to try to go. Fuck. Love that movie. Kevin Costner, the king of sports movies. I mean, there's really no one else who even approaches. He's done fucking everything. He was great in all of them. I wish he would have been in uh, Happy Gilmore. I think he would have been a great addition. I think he. I think he's the only guy who could have, the only other guy who could have played Shooter McGavin. Now, I don't think that anybody else should have. I'm just saying, if there was somebody else, I think they should have threw him in there. You know, he did Tin Cup. But, like, baseball, fucking golf, he has that dra- draft day. Underrated movie. I, I, I get that it got a lot of shit because, like, it was sponsored by the NFL, so they clearly, like, gummied it up and, like, made it nice. Uh, I thought that it was still pretty interesting, though. And, yeah, underrated for a sports movie. Because it's it's kind of like the equivalent of when... EA Sports tried to make, like, head coach a video game, and you're like, wait, you don't get to play any Madden? This is kind of dumb, right? And it just kind of didn't work. I think Draft Day is the more functional and, like, better in real life version of that. You know? It's like, well, there's, there's football movies, and those usually aren't that good, which I think is part of the thing that benefits Draft Day. <laughs> is that it's just hard to make a movie with actual sports being played in it. So let's just make a movie about the decision guys. I mean, especially after Moneyball came out. It's like, how could you not want to jump on this bandwagon? I totally get it. And I thought it was cool as hell. And the dude made moves. I fell for him. You know what I mean? Uh, But yeah. Kevin Costner. What a king. <laughs> just waiting for that Waterworld remake to come through. Could happen any day now. Uh, I think that the timing has never been more appropriate. So maybe we'll see that. It's probably starring Chris Pratt. Uh, doesn't really seem like there's any reboot vehicle that could exist without starring either Chris Pratt or Dwayne Johnson. Um, let's just hope that Kevin Hart isn't involved. Because, uh, yeah, I think we all we all understand that statement. Uh, but pivoting away from that, uh, I am very excited for tomorrow night. We are finally getting to experience that new Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, about that last Bulls team. Now, let me just say this. As a guy who was born, like, right after, well, right in the middle of it, obviously, but, like, was a child throughout the whole last run... I only remember, like, the vibe and aura in the city. Like, I just remember that everybody was stoked. (laughs) You know what I mean? I remember, like, everybody had Bulls gear everywhere all the time. But that's it. Like, I don't, I never really, I didn't get to watch. And if I did, you know, I was two, three years old. And 
So all I really know is stories. Like, I missed it. And like, yeah, you can go back and watch games, but you don't under, like, it's hard to understand what it was like to watch that kind of dominance for such a long period of time. Um, I mean, I get it now. Like, I watch the Patriots do it. So, I mean, like, I get what it's like for a team to do that, but not for ours. Because, I mean, when you look at Chicago's win history, like, we're very much in all of our team's history, like, weirdly, as an entire city and every franchise, we're just a win or go home. Like, go, like you know what I mean? It's go big or go home for every team forever. Cubs, 108 years. The Sox, 88-year gaps. You know what I mean? Like, it's like we either win or suck <laughs> for long, long, long stretches of time. The Bears won, had, like, when they won their one Super Bowl, put out like the greatest team ever and then vanished and sucked ever since pretty much. And then the only time we were good again, one of the best defenses, at least of the century, I'm not going to say of all time for that 06 squad, but you know what I mean? It was very much like, okay, like we're kind of good now. We're just going to go straight to the Super Bowl, And then boom, gone again. (laughs) You know, it was just over. Uh, Who else? I mean, the Blackhawks were terrible for what? Ever? (laughs) right they hadn't won a stanley cup since like the original six teams or whatever and then boom we just knock out three out of five three out of six whatever it was no problem now they suck again probably won't be good for another 50 years we just can't seem to get out of any kind of funk and the bulls haven't been good really ever since other than you know the Thibodeau rose whole debacle that i think uh they should not have broken up that team and we could have been good but you know whatever i'm gonna have to let it go clearly because uh, they really fucked everything up there. It's it's weird how a scenario is like everybody thinks they could be a GM. And sure, like you couldn't be a GM. Like I couldn't be one be- for millions of reasons, I'm sure. But I do know that it's not that hard to see when your team is good or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you win 62 games, you probably shouldn't let everybody fucking leave after. It's really not that hard to figure that part out. So in the sense of could I do the job job? No. But could I have not fucked that up? Yes. You know what I mean? Like you can see how to keep that team good. Really not that hard to do. To blow it up and have them suck for a fucking decade uh, doesn't really seem like you're doing your job because there are no signs towards any kind of redemption there. So yeah, just a little tidbit there. Pretty upset, but whatever. The Bulls are fucking garbage. So, yeah, we get to reminisce about uh, the only time they weren't ever, you know. And I'm a, I'm, I love uh, Dennis Rodman as a player. As a player, felt the need to really specify that, especially because by this time he was really off the rails. But, I mean, it, it's the nitty-gritty. The glue guy is always my favorite guy. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Draymond Green is probably my favorite player in the NBA right now. I just love what he does. You know, if you can go out there and just your whole thing is I'm going to get rebounds and assists and I'm just going to fucking help my team out and be tough and, like, fight for people, it's like, yeah, you're the fucking man. Like, that is way cooler than being Trey Young. You know what I mean? Like, who would you rather be? Would you rather be putting up fucking 28 a game for no reason or would you rather be, like, punching Matt Barnes in the face? You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, No offense to Matt Barnes. I only say that because uh, he'll probably kill me. You know, look at him. That's a scary guy. But yeah, so I mean, I think Rodman is like the epitome of that guy, like just doing whatever he has to do to help the team, just getting boards, playing defense. I'm all about it. Like, especially in what is probably the most offensive game that there is in existence. Uh, To be like an elite defensive guy, I think is like even more impressive. Right? Because, like, everybody else is focusing on something else, and you're going to be like, nah, nah, nah. I'm just going to shut you down, bro. That's it. And, like, just being versatile enough to guard, like, multiple positions. I mean, he's, what, 6'6", like, playing power forward and center? Especially back then, it was unheard of. It's even a little weird now. You know what I mean? When the Rockets just went small, everybody's like, their center's only 6'6". You know? We're still freaking out, and we're in the small ball era. So, I mean, the fact that he was doing what he was doing back then, leading the league and rebounding and shit... Unbelievable! I got the throwback pinstripe jersey, a little too snug. You know what I mean? I gotta, I gotta ditch this. I gotta ditch this husky gut. 
then maybe I'll rock the Rodman jersey. Flex on everybody. Um, but also, like, when you're fucking four years old and you see just the guy with, like, the piercings and the dyed hair and all the tattoos, especially, again, like, in an era where that wasn't a commonality to see. Um, and especially as crazy as he would do it all the time. I mean, he would dye his hair every fucking game. It was awesome. I just loved it. And I didn't get all the crazy extracurricular, <laughs> let's call it, shit that he was up to at the time. Uh, I was just like, this, this dude fucking rips. And he did. And that team was just fucking awesome. And it's going to be cool to see all of that in depth. Although, I will say, the the weirdest thing I think about Michael Jordan is just about how uninteresting he is. Or maybe he just wants to be that way on camera. Right? But like... And also just like how much of an anomaly he is. Like it just doesn't even really make sense. Um, I watched him on Good Morning America, I want to say it was. He like talked to Robin Roberts and she asked him like all these like, she asked him like really good questions. Like, yo, where does your intensity come from? And he's like, I don't know. Hard work, dedication. <laughs> and it's like part of me just kind of believes him. I mean like the, the his whole thing was basically like back then we wrote letters. We made phone calls. It's like, yeah, like she didn't ask what the 80s were like. She was like, what was it like being in college? And he's like, didn't really have much to say. You know what I mean? So is it like, do you not have much to say because like you know you're the greatest and like you can't like, you're not really going to like reveal your psyche and whatever. I kind of get that part. But I also kind of think he just worked, like, you know what I mean? He just wanted it more than everybody. Like he just happened to be that gifted, I think. I think that that's what's so weird about it. It's like I, I, I feel like everybody wants to search for some kind of explanation. It's like, how does this guy even exist? You know, like what did he do to be that dominant and that clearly, like, to be like, like no one in history has or probably ever will be as good at basketball as that guy, and there's not really any explanation for it. You know what I mean? Like his kids aren't good. His family like wasn't professional athletes, siblings or parents right i mean i think his dad went to the minors in baseball but like you know what i mean it's like steph came from dell who like was a three-point guy when there weren't really shooters so like you can kind of see how like he evolved and like learned from that you know what i mean it's just like there's a path towards like it all making sense and this is like jordan just kind of like worked hard and everybody like it he just came out of nowhere and was more talented to me that is just so fucking weird and there's just, like, no explanation for it. And they, nobody really seems to get it. He's just kind of like, yeah, fuck you guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You saw it. It happened. We don't need to talk about it anymore. And, I mean, I kind of get it. Would you? Like, would you want to think about, like, when you were younger and more athletic and, like, took the world by storm? I mean, I wouldn't. But he also handled it like a fucking champ. I mean, the the guy's armor never cracked for a fucking second. You know what I mean? He's not like Kevin Durant tweeting about, like, making fake Twitter accounts to, like, talk shit about other people. You know what I mean? Michael Jordan very clearly could handle the spotlight and thrived in it. And I think that maybe, maybe that's the biggest factor at play is that, like, the dude just wanted all the fucking heat in the world. He's like, fucking give it to me. I'm going to make this happen. Um, maybe he's just the most confident person in history. I don't know. I think that that's the most, like, that is my most interesting thing about that guy. He's just like, how did he even happen? And like, that's it. You know what I mean? It was just like flash in the pan. Here's the best. Boom. And then like, I don't know, just the fact that there's like no weird genetic connection anywhere is very strange to me. And that he like doesn't have any crazy like reasoning behind it either. You know what I mean? It was like. He got cut in high school and was just mad, <laughs> you know, and it's like that was enough. That's insane to me. Like his family life seemed pretty chill, like he loved his parents. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Good good for him. Good, glad he was here, <laughs> you know, definitely boosted the morale of Chicago for fucking 20 years still to this day. And it, I mean, it's just going to be good to see sports and we're going to be seeing like one of the best seasons and teams of all time. So it's going to be lit. So, yeah, I'm just real excited all around about it. I hope that it goes in depth because I know that he got, like, final cut, but they were following them around for that whole season. So I hope we see Jordan, like, really scream at people. Like, I want to know what those practices were like and shit. I want to see him go off and be a fucking monster. Now, I do know that in the, like, by the end he was just kind of chilling, so maybe it wasn't that intense, but, man, 
MJ, tomorrow night. Let's do it. And I mean, ESPN is hyping it up like the Super Bowl's about to be on their channel. <laughs> I mean, they had a fucking pop-up ad the second I opened the F this morning that was like, bro, you gotta watch this shit. And I'm sure it'll probably be like the highest viewed documentary of all time. Like instantly, if I had to guess. Probably would have been anyway. You know, who's to say? But, I mean, especially given the current time, it's just like, Jesus, how how can Michael Jordan be any less successful? <laughs> it is just impossible. It's like he, even in a pandemic, finds a way to make a billy off this shit. <laughs> it is just crazy. Um, what I would love is a documentary about how someone that good at basketball could be that bad at evaluating talent. Because, Jesus, I mean, his track record as a GM and even an owner is honestly he's he's going on an Eminem level <laughs> quest to try to demolish how his legendary earlier career. Now, I don't think that uh since it's a completely different like medium within basketball, I don't think that that would ever happen, but uh his legacy as a GM and owner is not great to say the least. I think we all know that. Uh but I, I want him to turn it around. I would love for the Hornets to just be the best team in the NBA. Because I, I just want to see more Michael Jordan. I think that's what everybody wants, you know? That's why this thing is out. Like, it, you cannot fathom it. It's like Jordan and Jackson. Give me more Michaels. Everybody just loves Michael. Michael's your buddy, you know? Uh... But one last thing on Jordan, let me just say, look at his Wizards numbers and tell me any scenario for any other player where those are bad seasons. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's kind of like, we don't really talk. Like, uh, I feel like the general consensus is like, we don't really talk about the Wizards part. But it's not like Namath on the Rams where he showed up and just like butt fucked his way to the garbage town. <laughs> Or whatever. Yeah, I couldn't really come up with something there. Sorry. But uh, you know what I mean? He didn't, like, show up and eat a bag of dicks. He showed up and dropped, like, he still was scoring, like, 22 a game, like, three years removed at, like, 40 years old or whatever. I mean, like, yeah, sure, I don't think they made the playoffs, which is a bummer. But, like, you act like the dude showed up and, like, bum-fucked it out there. Yeah, like, his numbers were down for Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, they were bad years for him, I guess. But show me any other guy at 38, 39 who's dropping 22, you know. I guess, I, I mean, I'd have, I guess if you watch it, maybe it wasn't how the stats look. I totally get how stats can be misleading. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I guess we, we don't really need to forget about it. It's just annoying that he didn't end his career on the Bulls and with a title. You know what I mean? It, is, it does suck that he came back like that and did that. But for why? I mean, I don't know. I guess, like, just looking at the numbers, I'm like, yeah, the, the dude proved what he had to prove for sure. So, plus I got to see him play. So I think that that's fucking cool. I'm glad that that happened. For me only. But you know what I mean? Like, how much does it hurt the legacy? I get that that's why we don't talk about it, because, like, it just kind of, it does change it a little. Um, and it is weird to even think about, but, like, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. And uh, I don't know. For for some reason in my head, it seems like when Jordan was on the Wizards, he was putting up like he was doing like Peyton Manning's last season on the Broncos or something, where he's like just throwing fucking ducks and bricks and rocks at the backboard and nothing's fucking going in. Doesn't seem to be the case. Seems like dude was balling out still, right? Like just because he didn't score thirty a game, sorry, <laughs> sorry to disappoint you. But uh, seems like he fucking crushed it. And I think it was also because like he was getting into the front office. It was like a double deal. He was like a player GM or whatever. Or it was like, play for us and we'll just hook it the fuck up. I don't know. I don't really know what happened, frankly. But I'm just saying, I think we can not act like it was a terrible, horrifying second act. I think we can just be like, yeah, he, you know, he got bored, came out and played. Right? Just like I think that, like, that's probably what Brady and Tampa's going to be. I don't think he's going to show up and throw ducks. I don't think he's going to show up and throw heat. You know what I mean? I don't see Brady going to Tampa and throwing 50 touchdowns. While I would love that, though, I would love it if they just won the fucking Super Bowl. 
like out of nowhere. I like I'm hoping that what the plan is is they're gonna construct like the coolest and most efficient offense for Tom Brady possible, and they're just gonna be fucking slinging it fifty times a game, short throws, crossing routes all over the fucking field with those receivers. I, I'm just saying, I think it could be super exciting. I just hope Arians isn't trying to do exactly his offense. I hope he's crafting it around the old man he's got back there. Right? But, I mean, I, I could see him having, like, a huge monster season with just, like, a bunch of yards and touchdowns. And maybe they don't even make the playoffs. I don't know. I don't see it being that big of a struggle. I don't think he would go there unless he knows the offense can be crafted around him. Which, I mean, why wouldn't you? You know? It definitely seems like they're, like, fucking kissing his dick you know what i mean they're on their knees like please tom you know whatever you need baby he's gonna be treated like a fucking king there for two years i mean i get it he was with it was at that point it was like he was working with his dad it's like your dad's never gonna tell you you did a great job he's gonna tell you what what you fucked up on you know what i mean and especially belichick is gonna do that for everybody anyway uh, but after 20 years of that with the accomplishments, I get it. Like, he wants good treatment for once. He wants to be the fucking star that he is. Let him do it. You know, sit out in the sun, drink a mojito, then go out there and rip the fucking Falcons secondary. You know, it's not like he went into the greatest division. I mean, he's going to have to go up against the Saints twice. Sure, that's just exciting. You know what I mean? Give him some fucking competition. Especially since that defense is going to be weak. They're going to be... Well, actually, I guess they're statistically not that bad. It was mostly Jameis's fault, but whatever. I wish that they would have done a trade. You know what I mean? Like, sign and trade Jameis and Brady. That would be cool. Because I think... I'm just going to close on that. I think that, like, fucking Jameis Winston is clearly talented, and anyone who says he is what he is at this point is fucking full of shit. Okay. First of all, like interception years are usually fluke years. Like Philip Rivers, like has had like a couple of years where he just throws like twenty five out of nowhere, boom, and then he comes back and he just doesn't. It's kind of like the same way a defense like the Bears two years ago had like a, the highest turnover rate, and they were getting like fucking two takeaways a game. It just happens. Some years it just happens, right? And it's harder to explain. Now, is he a turnover guy, Jameis? Sure. But I do think that, like, you can craft an offense that is more efficient. You know what I mean? Like, if if the NBA can transition its game to where, like, we're all doing pace and space because it is, like, the statistically most efficient way to make baskets, there's definitely a passing offense that shies away from interceptions. Now, I understand, like, a bad throw can always be a bad throw and result in one. But I do think if your offense is based on like throwing the ball 20 yards downfield a lot of the time, you're probably going to be more prone to throwing more interceptions. That's all I'm saying. You know, I think that 30 probably still would have been 20 either way. You know what I mean? But like to try to act like the dude doesn't play well, I think is crazy. I think that like somebody really like committed to the guy. I think it would work. It's not like a Trubisky thing where the talent isn't there. Jameis Winston, to me, is a more talented Jay Cutler. Because Jay Cutler, like, when you watched him play, you could see the ability. You could also just, I mean, it was just clear he didn't really give a fuck. And I think that that's the same thing. Now, can you convince Jameis to give a fuck? That's probably the real question. But I think that if you can in that scenario and let's say he does i mean maybe he already does but to me it just kind of seems like he's pretty careless um i think if you could somehow get him to commit to that then yeah why not you know what i mean like if you get a guy with that kind of arm talent i know that that's like the old school gm thing and that's that's why guys like that end up in the league but i think that like it's genuinely there i don't think it's blaine gabbert you're trying to work with there you know what I mean? Like, the guy clearly has the ability to do what your team needs. Like, I would rather have Jameis than Mitch Trubisky and probably Nick Foles, too, at this point. Although I am incredibly excited at that improvement idea. You know, I hope he can, if he can just fucking stay healthy, I think that will be good because Nagy's, Nagy is the man. Trubisky's the problem. And if Nagy sucks, we're going to find out, too, once Foles is in the game. You know what I mean? All I know is... In his first season, 
Nagy was dialing up everything at the beginning. And, like, we were running awesome schemes, cool motions, unique plays designed to get yardage, and we were moving the ball. And then he, like, little bitchy boy just kept fucking eating dick out there over and over and over again. And the offenses had to keep getting limited and limited and limited until at one point it just didn't exist last season. And it's like, if you're going to be that afraid to keep making play calls with falls, then yeah, we're going to be fucked. But I think that if, you know, you can switch back to what your real goals and game plan is, Mr. Nagy, we can go places. Okay? Especially with the way the defense is looking. And I just think that, like, now is the time more than ever. Now that the fucking Patriots are broken up, who's who out there is a contender? You know what I mean? I think the NFL has never been more open until right now. Like, this is as open as it could possibly be. Because, yes, Mahomes is going to be a threat forever, but that defense has is not going to improve enough to where coming out of the AFC they could lose or, like, one day a defense could show up and not shut them down. I'm never going to say shut down for them at this point. But slow it down enough to where, you know, they're not going to just steamroll through the playoffs every time there's hope is all i'm saying you know the A- the afc is less wide open for sure but i think the nfc is like takes the cake <clears throat> i could easily see the 49ers falling off like and having a having a rams-esque post-super bowl year i think that too much worked out for them too often and it'll be pretty easy to slow them down in this next season. But who knows? You know, just getting excited with the draft coming up. Uh, that and the Jordan Docs really all we got. So, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Hope everybody's staying uh, real nice and safe and clean and healthy out there. And uh, keep it up. Talk to you soon. Never forget. I are fat. You are fat. We are fat. Calculator, everybody. <laughs>